Well, thank you guys for coming today, braving the snow and the sleet that's out there. And I've come to realize that if you guys ever need snow, then uh, the pastor just needs to ask me to preach to big church. And, and that's what happens whenever I uh, come up here and get to uh, preach to big people instead of the little people. But it is a privilege of mine to be able to uh, lead in Kid Zone. And I thank the incredible volunteers that are down there right now uh, preaching and teaching our children. So thank you uh, to them. Uh, thank you for coming today. And I realize, and especially on a day like today, that there's probably a lot more people watching online than are here in our service this morning. Uh, there's a whole lot of people out there that are going to be watching that I've never met before. So thank you uh, for being with us today. I'm going to start the sermon by saying something pretty controversial. Are you ready? Um, some, like some of you, I grew up attending church, but only occasionally. See, uh, attending church was not a spiritual thing to me growing up. It was a social thing. If you ever wanted to go see your friends, that's where they were on Sunday morning. And so you just went to church in order to hang out with your friends. Now, thinking back on my years outside of the church and for many years there on the fringe of the church, and now that I've been a pastor for 16 years, here's the controversial statement. It has been church people that have caused me to question and have a negative outlook on Christianity. Ouch. Let me explain that a little bit. See, when you are on the outside of church and you are looking in, you have an expectation of people on the inside. You expect to be treated and you expect to be spoken to in a certain manner. But for whatever reason, I never seem to fit in with the churchy type of people. See, I always felt like I was being judged by Christians. And at the time, the church seems like this big club that in order to be part of the club, you had to dress right or you had to behave right. You had to do the right things. You had to do this or do that or not do this or not do that. And God forbid, if you ever missed up, you're out. There wasn't grace and there wasn't compassion. And I have to tell you that after high school, I was perfectly fine being out. I had no intention of being in because it was a whole lot more fun being out than it was being in. Until uh, in college, the only Christian friend that I had made the deal that if I would come to church with him, we would go to Shoney's afterwards. <laughs> and if it's not Jesus that brings you there, brings you to church, it's those crispy hash browns on the buffet, right? Can I get an amen, church? You know what I'm talking about, all right? See, let me be honest with you. If it weren't for the hash browns, I had no intention of being inside the church, none. That was until I met a very beautiful woman that happened to be on the inside of the church. And, and then after I met her, being on the inside was a whole lot more alluring to me. And it wasn't just her stunning and amazing beauty that brought me in. Carol walked the talk, or talked the talk and walked the walk. She was the real deal. And so then, uh, fast forward, I became a Christian myself. And you know what happened to me? I became exactly what I despised on the outside. 
I fell into the trap and I found myself uh, becoming a judge of everyone else's behavior. But I come to realize something over the years that Jesus didn't talk the way that I did. And he didn't talk the way that I heard most Christians talk. Jesus put things a lot differently. In fact, there was a word that he often used instead of telling people how to behave or how to act. And the word was follow. And he said this to all sorts of people. He said it to rich people and to poor people and people that were inside of the church and inside of the religious body and people that wanted nothing to do with religion. He simply asked them and told them to follow. And so we're going to go through this story. One of my absolute favorite stories, one that uh, speaks to me, the heart of this pastor, and it's found in Matthew chapter 9. And if you uh, aren't familiar with the Bible, uh, Matthew is about two-thirds of the way through. It's the beginning of the New Testament. The New Testament doesn't mean it's at the beginning of this book. It's actually two-thirds of the way through. And so if you get to Luke and uh, John or Romans, you've gone a little bit too far. So Matthew, the big number is uh, the chapter number. So that's nine. And the small little numbers are the verse numbers. So Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. And this is what it says. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now let's pause there. We are in the time uh, of the church or the calendar year where our wonderful and incredible church treasurer, Brenda, has just finished up our giving reports. Let us know what we gave to the church in uh, 2020. You probably received your W-2s in the mail and you're looking forward, right, to paying all of your taxes, right, at the beginning of this year. And no matter what you think of our eternal revenue service, uh, imagine if there was a different system in place. You see, in those days, the Romans uh, that ruled the land here, ruled the area, would sell the right in order to collect the taxes on behalf of the government. And whomever bid the most got the right to collect the people's taxes. And this was a very lucrative business for them. Those wealthy people would then hire people from those towns to go and collect the townspeople's taxes. And if they charged a little bit more than was actually required, well, then so be it. If your taxes were $100 and they charged $150, well, they'd hand over the 100 to the Roman government, but they would pocket the extra 50 Yeah, it's just cost of doing business, right? There was very few people, though, that would bring about this, the type of emotion that you would have if you ran into a tax collector. Remember, they were one of you, and they betrayed you. Your stomach would turn when you saw a tax collector. Your blood would boil. Uh, They were seen as traitors. They used to be your friend, but now they are a turncoat. They're an enemy of yours. So you can see why nobody wanted anything to do with these tax collector guys. And our verse here says that Jesus walked up to a man sitting at the tax collector's booth named Matthew and said, follow me. 
Now, what I like to do with Bible stories is try to put myself inside the story to kind of get the emotion and to feel like what it would, would have been like if I was there, right? And couldn't you hear the collective sigh from all of the people that had been following Jesus? Maybe it was Peter or one of the other disciples that had already been following for a while now would have said, whoa, <laughs> no time out, wait a second. No, 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 you are not serious about this, Jesus. You can't ask, P or you can't ask Matthew to follow you because if he follows you, that means he's gonna be next to me. And I don't wanna hang out with people like Matthew. See, what Jesus didn't say to Matthew is what the church people would be expected to say. Hey, Matthew, if you're willing to, or hey, Matthew, if you're willing to stop, then you can follow me. See, Jesus didn't say any of that to Matthew at all. What he said is, follow me. Simple, straight, direct. And if Jesus says that to Matthew, perhaps we should be questioning ourselves that as well and ask ourselves, am I following? And if I'm following, if, if I'm not following Jesus, then who or what am I following? You see, this whole scene here is going to get a whole lot more interesting as we go along. Because in the very next line, the very next line, look at this with me, verse 10. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Time out. <laughs> Time out, Jesus. First, we were, it was bad enough. We were standing at Matthew's booth and people were all staring at us and it was a little awkward there for a while. But now we're at his house? No. Can you hear the disciples uh, getting a little nervous here saying, Jesus, come on, we can't go to his house. We're not supposed to be at his house. We're not supposed to be at a tax collector's house. There's tax collector cooties inside there. We can't go in there. And Jesus just says, Matthew, follow me. Where are we going, Jesus? Well, for starters, let's go to your house. In other words... Let's go somewhere that might ruin my reputation, but it's going to be somewhere that you and I can get to know each other. And if you think Peter and the others had a problem with being at this tax collector's house, just stay tuned. It gets worse. All right? Look at this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Ooh. See, this is why this is one of my favorite, absolute favorite Bible stories. Because I can see, I can feel the disciples starting to squirm here. Matthew has done what Matthew has always done. He's invited his friends to his house. He's invited the fellow tax collectors, the fellow sinners to sit around the table. And here are Jesus' followers. Here are the disciples. And they're probably saying, what just happened here? We've been following Jesus for a while. What is going on? And this is why this story is so cool to me. If you're new to this Christianity thing or, 
Or maybe you used to go to a church and you've, you're done with church. Or maybe you got tired of church. Or uh, maybe what we're teaching just doesn't speak to you. You don't see the relevance of it anymore. Or maybe you've been hurt by people in the church. Listen to me. Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable hanging out with people that were nothing like him. And apparently, if you read through the stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the four gospels, if you read his story, those people that were nothing like Jesus were completely comfortable hanging out with him too. So let me tell you, if you've ever hung out with Christians, if you have ever been in the company, in my company, and you have felt anything but welcomed by me, anything but loved by us, I am sorry. Because it's, it's our fault. That is not how our Savior Jesus has taught us. Because Jesus was extremely comfortable hanging out with people that were unlike him. And they followed him wherever he went. So Jesus would love to hang out with you. There's more happening in this verse. Look at verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. Now the Pharisees were the, uh, the church group, right? They were the religious people of the day and they didn't like people breaking the law, the rules. And Jesus had already broke a whole bunch of them. So they're not real happy with him. And so they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with, eat with tax collectors and sinners? So what they would be saying is, you know what? Jesus is known as a rabbi. I'm a rabbi. Jesus is known as a keeper of the law. I keep the law. Jesus uh, um, is a holy man. And I'm supposed to be a holy man. How come it seems like him and I would have so much in common, yet I'm not invited to the party? How come he's sitting in with Matthew, a tax collector and people like him instead of us. And I love this part. Here's Jesus probably sitting at the table and there's an awkwardness now here going on and people are trying to figure out what's going on. And the Pharisees, I imagine outside of the house, the disciples and the tax collectors and Jesus on the inside of the house. And upon hearing this, the word says, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. And Matthew is probably going, yes. See, I told you guys, you're not invited because it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. <laughs> Wait a second, Jesus. What are you talking about? Are you calling me the sick one? I'm the sick one. You're calling me and all of my friends sick. And I imagine Jesus just kind of chuckling and lovingly looking into Matthew's eyes and says, Matthew, you're a tax collector, dude. Of course you're sick. Of course you are. And I think Matthew would have said, you're right. I am sick. I do need a doctor. Now, this is very important. You know you're sick too, right? You know that there's something wrong. 
We're not even consistent with our own rules we expect others to, to keep. Moms and dads, you aren't even consistent with the rules you expect your kids to keep, right? You know what goes on in your head. We know that we fall short. We know that we're sick. We know that if it wasn't for forgiveness of a, of a gracious and a compassionate Savior, that if there were a judgment that we'd all be in trouble, we don't need a preacher to tell us that. We know that, right? And then Jesus turns and he addresses the Pharisees outside. He says, I want you to go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I have not come to call. Get this. I have not come to call. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. In other words, I am not content to only hang out with people that believe the right things and behave the right way. I am not content to only hang out with those people. Now, let me speak to the church for, for a moment. If you're not a Christian, if you're here with us, thank you for being here with us. If you're watching, you're not a Christian, just take a short little nap. I'll get back to you in a second, all right? Church. We dare not ever become a group of people. We dare not ever become a church that's content on believing the right things, behaving the right ways, and think that our spiritual checklist has been taken care of. Because if we do, because if we do, we will find ourselves on the outside of the very room that Jesus is in. Because Jesus does not come to call. He does not come to call the righteous, but he comes to call the sinners. In fact, this is a message the Pharisees have been teaching all this time. Their message was change and you can join us. And then comes along Jesus and he flips this whole thing over. And he wants everybody to look at it a different way. And he says this, join us and you will change. And he says, hey, just follow me. You're invited, just follow. Just take a baby step and then you're gonna take another baby step. But beware, I'm telling you, Matthew, I'm telling you all fellow sinners and or the tax collectors and sinners, I'm telling you that if you follow me long enough, you're gonna look back and you're not gonna recognize who you once were. And so, because I'm a preacher, and because I have to do this, I guess it's in my blood now, we have four quick things to go through, all right? So, that was our introduction to the sermon, all right? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Here we go. Four quick things. We're going to wrap this up. But four quick things about following Jesus, all right? Number one, if you're taking notes... Being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, it's a prerequisite to follow Jesus. And that's huge. Being a sinner doesn't disqualify you. Because every single person, every single person that Jesus has ever asked to follow him was a sinner. And every person that has accepted his invitation to follow was a sinner. And so he starts with Matthew. And Matthew is off the charts sinner, right? 
get this, before Matthew has prayed anything, before Matthew has committed to anything, before Matthew has agreed to any sort of behavioral modification, Jesus says, Matthew, just as you are, follow me. Now listen, folks, we need to know that there is no sin. There is no sin. There is no sin. There is no habit. There is no hang up. There is no addiction that takes you out of the realm of those that are invited by Jesus to follow him. Never will you do anything in your life that will cancel your invitation to follow him. Never. But Pastor Brian, you don't know me. You don't know the things I've done. You mean even though I, I still get to follow? Yes. That's how beautiful this is. There is nothing that you have ever done that will cancel your invitation to follow Christ. Nothing. And so number two is this. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. Now, before you think I've gone crazy, let me explain. You say, well, pastor, I don't, even, I don't know if I can follow Jesus. I don't know if I've even figured all this stuff out yet. Maybe this doesn't even make sense to me yet. Well, you're in good company because not all of Jesus's earliest disciples and his followers believed in him, but they still followed. What are you talking about? See, it was almost two years for some of them before they ever believed in who he says he was. Two years. And they had just been following him along. And what were they doing that whole time? They weren't believing, but they sure were following. Some of them are so famous for not believing that we've given them nicknames, right? You know his name, Doubting who? Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. And here is Thomas at the very end of the story of Jesus. And Jesus has been crucified on a cross. He was dead. And three days later rose again. And he's personally standing in front of Thomas. And Thomas says, eh, not so fast. I don't know if I believe this. What? Pastor, you may think, I don't know if I believe in the resurrection either. I can't even figure this out yet. It doesn't even make sense to me. Well, it didn't to Thomas either. Listen, no matter where you are on your journey of following Jesus, even if you're not sure about all of this yet, even if you don't know if it's true or not, Jesus still invites you to follow him. When I was... When I became a, a Christian, I remember being in my pastor's office. I remember praying a prayer of salvation, asking Jesus to forgive my sins. But I also knew when I was kneeling down there, I didn't know if I had it all figured out. In fact, I didn't have it all figured out. My heart took a whole lot of time to talk to my brain. And I needed that time. Was I saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did I believe or understand everything? No. But I was sure following him. Which means 
It doesn't matter whether you believe or not yet. Now, don't freak out on me, church. Of course, it matters what you believe. Of course, it matters that you believe that Jesus is the son of God. But even if you don't, even if you're not sure if he existed or you think he was just some historical figure that we've been writing about for 2,000 years, you're still invited to follow him and he's gonna give you the time and the grace to figure it out. So here's my invitation to you, especially if you're not sure about any of this yet. I dare you, I dare you to take the Bible. I dare you to take Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the stories of Jesus and read that and find something in there that you can follow. And then call me, text me, email me, call any of our staff members here at PFN, call any of the people here at PFN and we will gladly walk with you gladly walk with you and allow you the time and the grace to figure things out. So number three, the invitation to follow is an invitation to a relationship, not a set of rules. And let me tell you why this is so huge. Jesus's invitation wasn't an invitation to the 10 commandments. It's not an invitation to a set of rules. And I'm not saying that rules are not important, but let me explain why they're not as important as a relationship. If I'm in a marriage where I keep all of the marriage rules, but my wife and I have zero relationship, what kind of marriage is that? Right? In fact, the reason I keep the rules in marriage is because I'm in love with Carol. I want to keep the rules in the marriage because I want to honor my wife. Now, Carol doesn't get up in the morning and give me a whole top five or top 10 list of things that husbands need to do, right? Thank you, Carol, for not doing that every morning. I don't do that to her. But we follow the rules anyway because we love each other and because we want to honor one another. And I tell you, once you start following Jesus you're gonna find yourself doing different things. And Jesus tells us, just come follow me. And eventually you will see that it's not about to do this or do that or not doing that. It's all about us honoring one another. It's never been about the rules. It's been about this relationship. And so number four, my favorite one, following Following Jesus fo forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. Let me say that one more time. Following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. And if you have ever been judged by Christians... And if you've ever been judged by the church or if you've ever felt like you didn't belong here in this church or any other church, okay? If that's ever happened to you, it's probably because you're a part of a church where somebody along the line stopped following and they started evaluating and they started judging. The other way to say that is this. The more conscious I am of the work that God is doing in me, the less critical I will be of what God has yet to do in you. 
right? And if you are new here, or maybe you usually don't attend and you're just drugged here by somebody and you don't want to even be here, all right? Or if you're watching online, you don't even know how you stumbled across there. I mean, you were just watching cat videos and all of a sudden PFN <laughs> came up, right? All right? Let me tell you this. Especially if you've ever been judged by the church, all right? I'm sorry. Because it's never been our job to judge. It doesn't mean we ignore. It doesn't mean we turn a blind eye to sin. It just means this, church. If our sin didn't disqualify us from following Jesus, then neither should yours. And you will always be invited, just as you are and just as we were. I want you to, every week we give you a connection card, different next steps to go through. I want you to go ahead and get that out. If you're online with us today, you have it uh, there as well. So open that up. Every week we invite you to take some next steps. And sometimes there are next steps, something for you to do. And sometimes they're just to put a stake in the ground and say, this is who I am. And this is what I, what I believe. And from now on, this is what uh, is going to define me. So look at this, three things there. I choose to follow Jesus today by not disqualifying myself or others. Listen, the pastor that's standing up in front of you today doesn't have everything figured out. I don't. I certainly believe, and I certainly am following, but I don't have the answer to every question. And I'm so thankful that Jesus gives me the grace and the time to figure it out. And I am so glad that he has not disqualified me. Even though I'm leading people in the church and I don't have everything figured out and neither do any of you. Don't disqualify yourself and certainly don't disqualify somebody else because they're not behaving or believing the way that you do. Second one is this. I need to focus on my relationship with God. I'm not saying that rules aren't important, but I want you to follow the rules for the right reason. I want you to follow the rules because you're so in love with Christ that you want to honor him so much. Number three, focusing on my journey rather than comparing my actions with others. Remember, the more conscious I am of the work that God is doing in me, the less critical I will be of what God has yet to do in you. I want to close this with prayer today. You're more than welcome to come down to the altar or pray exactly where you're at. And I'm not sure exactly how Jesus and the Holy Spirit have spoken to you today. But would you bow your, your heads and close your eyes? And if you're at home, I invite you to do the exact same thing and pray with me. Jesus, thank you so much for humbling yourself so much that you came from a perfect heaven to walk amongst us as a human like us. Thank you, Lord, for teaching. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your compassion you had upon people. But thank you, Lord, for those two words that are said to all of us, follow me.
And Jesus, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. As you allow us the, the opportunity to follow you, even if, even if we don't hit all the check marks that the church has told us we need to. Thank you, Jesus, that there is always an entry point into following you. And no matter what we've done, the invitation is still there. And so Jesus, as I'm speaking to my friends here in person today and those that are online, if there's anyone, anyone that is just wanting to figure this out, not sure about all of it, Lord, would you guide them to take a step in following you anyway? You ask us to follow you. Thank us, thank you, Lord, that we also have the opportunity to bring others with us. Jesus, I would ask that you would bless our church today. Continue to bless Pastor uh, and Kim as they are enjoying their time on sabbatical. Give them rest. We ask, Lord, that you would, you would minister to them. Fill their hearts so they, they are overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, for this incredible church. As we go back and we see our family members that are questioning and struggling. And may we be reminded that the invitation to us is the same it is to them, to follow you. Jesus, thank you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.